know, I traveled to Taiwan to do the research. I traveled to Australia to do the research. So I know how I'm going to write a scene. But then I realized, well, there's pandemics here. I don't even know if it looks the same. Is there anybody even on the street? How am I going to do surveillance when there's nobody on the street? Welcome to the Pen and Sword podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. It's been about a year since the Pen and Sword podcast spoke with Brad Taylor. The New York Times bestselling author and former Special Forces officer is a master of thriller writing and regularly takes readers into the clandestine world of special ops, cyber ops, and geopolitical intrigue. His latest book, American Traitor, finds Pike Logan, his hero, amid one of the most hotly contested although coldly conducted, standoffs on the globe right now, the South China Sea. Readers of Stratfor Worldview will know that the great power struggle between the U.S. and China often has the geopolitical competitors facing each other there, fighting for economic, geographical, and military dominance. Brad Taylor joins me now. Welcome to the Pen and Sword podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get to your book, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you distill real-life geopolitical cold wars into nonstop action and adventure for Pike Logan, which makes me think you must be a student of geopolitics. Your own resume is quite fascinating. Yeah, definitely. I definitely try to keep up on world events because, uh, you know, the truth is always stranger than fiction. <laughs> and uh, the hardest part about when you do grand-scale geopolitics like this like I did in Ghost of War between the fault lines and NATO. The main thing is you've got to get it down to a character. You can't just talk about big movements and things like that because nobody cares about it. People want to read about somebody they care about. And so that's the hardest part is linking the grand strategic problem set down to a single character. Mm -hmm. The last time you were here, you and Fred Burton talked about the Pike Logan series in full. Let's kick off with how many adventures so far you've taken him on. Uh, this is uh, book 15. Book 15. So can you give us a little taste of this 15th book, American Trader? Yeah, sure. I Actually, the, the plot line itself came out from uh, book, I think, 13, Operator Down. I was doing research in uh, Lesotho, Africa, for, and that was based on a coup. And uh, so I was running around looking at all the places I need to take down, you know, the parliament buildings, the radio stations and things like that. And I came across uh, uh, all these brand new government buildings that they were just being constructed. And they look great and they're all brand new. And they had Chinese lettering all over them, uh, which I assume said something like, you know, you have to wear a hard hat when you come in here or something like that. And so I talked to the person who was showing me around and said, what, why is there Chinese lettering on a, on a place in Lesotho, Africa? And she said, well, the Chinese are, uh, they're doing this for free. And I said, uh, why are they doing that? And she said, oh, they're just being nice. <laughs> and at the time, I thought, they're not being nice. They want something out of this. But that was my first contact with their Belt and Road Initiative, which I didn't know a whole lot about. And it sparked my interest. I, it had nothing to do with that book, so I didn't pay attention to it. Well, since then, you know, four years later, the Belt and Road's going everywhere, and China's sticking their tentacles all over the place in the South China Sea and the Spratly Islands, and it just got bigger and bigger. Uh, and so I started to explore it. So let's talk a little bit about the narrative. How closely does your book, The Action Concerning the South China Sea, mirror what we know about the China-U.S. relationship there today? Uh, pretty close. I mean, they discuss it, but it's more uh, 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 the fault line between Taiwan and uh, China. China definitely wants to reclaim Taiwan. The president said 
this is not going to be a next generation problem. He's dead set on doing it. After we've seen what he's done in Hong Kong, uh, he's got a plan to take over Taiwan. And so I tried to explore that. How would they do that? Well, Taiwan in and of itself has become more and more, uh, they believe they're Taiwanese, not Chinese. The majority of the population believes that now. And so uh, I looked at kind of a, a Crimean offensive type thing, Gray War, where they're going to infiltrate in and try to turn the Chinese people, or the Taiwanese people against themselves in fear of China, allowing China to walk in. And that's kind of the route I took. Mm-hmm. A Gray War. What, what exactly is that? Uh, that's supposedly a new term, but it's really been around since, you know, the Bible. It's basically getting your way using all elements of power without having to fire a shot, without without getting into a full-on war. It's, it's the ability to take over a country. For instance, on the non-kinetic end, when um, China gives loans out to people, like they're doing in the Caribbean right now, uh, part of that reason they're giving those loans is now they want those Caribbean nations to disavow Taiwan. Right now they have embassies in Taiwan. I gave you a loan, disavow Taiwan. That's part of the Gray War. Uh, there's no shots being fired, but now Taiwan's losing one after the other uh, uh, patronage from other countries. Well, that takes me to the idea of Pike's adventures. They're often harrowing and certainly exciting. Um, There's actually more exchange of firepower in them than it seems like there is in real life. Oh, well, definitely. I mean, you're writing a book. If I wrote a a real story, it would be 500 pages of PowerPoint briefings to the State Department, and then the the hero would be told, no, you're not doing the mission. So, I mean, you, you have to have some kind of action adventure. Now, every scene that's in there... I'll say that it's, it's an accurate scene. There's nothing that I haven't seen done or, or had no people who could accomplish. But compressing all that into a single span of time, I mean, it is the 15th book. So, you know, people say, well, he, there's no way this guy would get in this much trouble. Well, that's true. There's no way James Bond would either. <laughs> you, I guess I could write one book where he doesn't do anything but sit around and mow the lawn, and then I could do the next one. Well, let's get back to the sort of gray war slash great power competition uh, in the South China Sea with the United States and China. Um, One of the things that I found interesting in your book is that you talk about control of the population in China. You know, the United States recently issued guidance to companies doing business with or investing there, saying the money isn't used just to control its population, but to build up its military industrial complex. And yet you nailed that eventuality pretty cleanly. How how do you come around to that? Uh, Actually, I mean, China's been doing that forever. Uh, There was a huge controversy in the Clinton administration where we uh, sold them some technology for a rocket that they were sending a satellite up, and then they were using it in ballistic missiles. Mm -hmm. Uh, And nowadays, with everything, all the technology... You know, Google refuses to do uh, artificial intelligence with the Department of Defense because it's just heinous. Well, they'll do it all day long over in China. Uh, and China's definitely using that to repress their people. Right now, the Uyghurs are being, you know, rounded up, and it's all using facial recognition software and artificial intelligence machine learning that is American technology. And um, I'm sure that people who aren't as immersed in this kind of topic as you are right now would be surprised to hear about that. Yeah, they would be because it's not. It doesn't really make the news in the United States. It certainly makes the news over there. Uh, I mean, Hong Kong. There's a reason Hong Kong's running around the streets saying, you know, United States help us, United States help us, because they know that we're the only ones that can. We're in a race right now with the Chinese for artificial intelligence, and they've they've outwardly stated they want to be the dominant player in artificial intelligence by 2025, uh, and they are working rapidly to that end. Now, whereas we do all of our technological advances, you know, in Silicon Valley and that kind of thing by ourselves. They do it by themselves and stealing our stuff or outright buying it. They're um, a pure monopoly. Every, 
company in China has to, by law, serves at the pleasure of the, of the um, Communist Party, serves at the pleasure of the PLA, the People Liberation Army. Everything they develop is, by law, immediately transferred. If, it's, if they want it, they've got it. Well, we don't have that same thing. We've got a market economy where everybody's competing against each other. Uh, and so we're at a little bit of a disadvantage in that way. But the, the good thing about that is we develop faster than they try to steal it from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, they don't try. They do. When I read uh, American Trader, I noticed how thoroughly you schooled readers in the details about the workings of the Chinese intelligence service. Um, how do you get that information? Yeah, that's a lot of work. And to be honest with you, it's uh, I've, I've probably read six books on um, the uh, Ministry of State Security, the, the, uh, the all the uh, intelligence apparatus over there, because it's kind of uh, opaque. You know, it, it, it's kind of like our own CIA, I guess. I mean, you can see an org chart for a CIA, and, and I worked at the CIA for a little bit, and I realized immediately as I went in there that that org chart was not what was actually happening on the ground here. But they do have some known things, like the United Workers Front is a, uh, a organ of the uh, People's Communist uh, Party that uses a diaspora all over the world for any Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they literally come into, um, you know, San Francisco and recruit all of these people who work in laundromats. It doesn't matter where they work. Universities, of course, are huge. Uh, and they leverage that. So it's hard to say, is this guy, you know, uh, uh, MSS James Bond? Or is this just somebody they co-opted because his parents live in China and they forced him to do this? And they do it all over the world. There was a New York police officer just arrested last month. He was uh, spying on Tibetan refugees. He was co-opted by the, the um Chinese secret, uh, security services, and he was spying on Tibetan refugees for them. Uh, mm-hmm. And Australia just now realized they have a huge problem in Australia. They're everywhere in Australia. And there's a large, you know, for the longest time, it just nobody believed that it could happen. And then they had a guy that was killed over there. Uh, he was a used car salesman, Chinese descent, was going into parliament, uh, got elected to parliament. And before he joined the parliament, he admitted, hey, I got paid to do this by the Chinese. Uh, everybody's flabbergasted. What? I mean, for the first time ever, the Chinese actually had somebody elected to parliament. And then he was found dead in a hotel room. You know, yeah. Nobody knows what killed him or, you know, it's, you know, it hasn't been ruled as a homicide. But uh, that kind of got everybody's interest. And they found, uh, you know, the port of Darwin uh, was sold to the Chinese. And everybody's like, how in the world did that happen? Why did we sell the port of Darwin to Chinese? Mm-hmm. So they, they have a huge infiltration problem there, and they're coming to grips with it right now. Do you ever wonder if after sharing this kind of information, the Chinese intelligence service will turn its eyes on you? I, like I said, I wrote Ghosts of War, and I had a lot of stuff of Russia in there, and I, I would never go to Russia now um, <laughs> because of just the way they treat people. And I probably the same way with the China. I would never set foot in China now um, mm-hmm. just because of the uh, tit for tat. You know, I'm the captain. We take somebody, they take somebody, and I'm a prime target to get taken because of it. But it'd be, it, with all the books that come out, and uh, I, they'd have to have – the three days of the condor would have to be a real thing with some Chinese section over there reading every book that comes out. Odds are they don't, they don't even know I exist. Can you tell me a little bit, I mean, just for our audience, just describe a little bit about Pike's adventures in this um, South China Sea region? Yeah, he's, he starts out, he's going to visit an old friend of his in Australia who works at the F-35 facility. F-35 is a joint strike fighter, our, our latest fifth-generation fighter, which is built all over the world, and parts of it are actually built in... Um, uh, Australia. And he's going to visit him. Well, inside that facility, there is uh, um, a guy who's been co-opted by the MSS to provide intelligence on the uh, F-35 to the Chinese. 
And uh, at the same time, he discovers that the um, – I don't want to give too much away. Of course. He, he finds out that there's an artificial intelligence program being developed for the uh, coastline of Taiwan, their A2D2 uh, anti-access uh, anti aerial denial system, which is the only way they're going to win a war against China right now. China can completely overwhelm them with just sheer numbers. So in order for Taiwan to win, they have to keep them from setting foot on the island, which is basically the same thing China's doing to us. China knows if we get in there and uh, uh, on the mainland of China, we're going to win that fight. So they want to keep us off, which is all the threats you see now about ballistic missiles and carrier defeat systems and things like that. Um, and so he's going to try to develop that for the uh, Chinese so the Chinese can do their gray war thing and uh, take over the country. And Pike kind of stumbles into this thing because the uh, – guy that's doing the bad stuff realizes that Duncan's seen him do something, so they try to kill Duncan, and Pike is just there on vacation, and he's like, why are they trying to kill you? And Duncan, of course, says, I have no idea. And it sets off from there with Pike trying to solve the problem. Yeah, yeah, it is really a great story. Um, given the realities of the world right now with the ongoing pandemic, will you have a book tour? No, not this year. We're discussing it right now. I barely made it on the last book. Um, I, my, the conclusion of my tour, my last stop, uh, the coronavirus, had, they were officially saying, everybody get out of here, stay home. And I made it home. And then uh, uh, writing this book was kind of hard. I was like, well, I don't even know. Because, you know, I traveled to Taiwan to do the research. I traveled to Australia to do the research. So I know how I'm going to write a scene. But then I realized, well, there's pandemics here. I don't even know if it looks the same. Is there anybody even on the street? How am I going to do surveillance when there's nobody on the street? It's me and the target. Uh, and so I decided to set it right into the Taiwan elections, which is what's the focus of it anyway, which was right before the pandemic hit. So for Pike Logan, have you collected enough information to set him on a new adventure? I have. Yeah, I've got okay. the frameworks done. I've already started the second next book. And um, uh, the hardest thing right now is I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do with this pandemic? Because yeah. this book won't come out for a year and the vaccine's supposedly here. So if I write a pandemic type, you know, Pike's running around with a mask on and the book comes out, it's like there is no pandemic anymore. Or if I write he's running around without a mask and the pandemic's still here, I, I'm trying to I'm grappling with how am I going to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Well, given the 14 books that came before this one, I'm quite sure he's going to come out of his adventure in great shape. <laughs> Brad Taylor is the author of American Trader, the 15th in the Pike Logan Thriller series. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. You can stay up to date on the U.S. and China Great Power Competition with a subscription to Stratpool Worldview. If you'd like to try our content first, sign up for our free newsletter. You can find all that information at worldview.stratpool.com. That's worldview.stratpool.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.